if you tell your investor, $100 million investors that, they think you're nuts because it, it just doesn't compute with their lens. They don't know what you're capable of or what you want. And ultimately, that's what I want to provide for people is that is that support. They know they're not alone. They know it's not crazy to have a big, successful business and be miserable. And where do I go from here? I want to give them that right next step. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Slow Smoke Business Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Morgan, and today we are joined by best-selling author Roderick Lenhart, uh, who is also from Million Dollar Flip Flops. Welcome, Roderick. Hey, thanks for having me. This is great. It's good to have you here, man. We're doing some chicken on the grill today. If you follow the show, you know it is the most common thing that we do here on the show, the Alabama chicken, but we're not doing white sauce today. Uh, we're just going to rub it. We're going to smoke it. Let's get over there and take a look. Roger, do you ever grill out while you're uh, talking all business? Is this a thing? All the time. North Carolina. All the time. We're, making, we're making barbecue all the time over here. <laughs> so you can see if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, you can see heavily seasoned with the gospel from Meat Church. Hashtag not a sponsor. Uh, that's how you know it's it's true love. So what do you like to grill out? A lot of barbecue and meat church is my go-to as well. So Yeah, meat church. Meat church. Where, and where are you from again, by the way? I'm in North Carolina. I'm actually in okay. at the uh I've got a house up in the mountains in Virginia. That's where I'm at right now, but just over the okay. line. Still good barbecue. So <laughs> North Carolina, good barbecue in that in that uh state too. What is your what's your favorite thing about North Carolina barbecue? You know, I'm just more of that kind of vinegar based. Ooh. I'm not really a sweet barbecue kind of guy. So, yeah. yeah. And I grew up in Michigan, so kind of had a mix of everything up there. But once I moved, it was. I don't think to me barbecue now. in Michigan in the same <laughs> sentence. That what what is Michigan barbecue? Well, you just get it so all like right. Smoked cans of Bud Light. Yes, yes. It's it's uh, <laughs> but you get a mix. Where here, like you don't get a mix. You don't get any Texas style barbecue here. Like it's <laughs> you, you run out of business. That's true. Uh, you know, nobody can do Texas barbecue like Texas. That's right. Uh, there's there is phenomenal barbecue here in Alabama, but no one can no one can get close on British. I don't know what it is about the geography or whatever. <laughs> But you just can't do it. Like you go into Texas and a random gas station will have incredible brisket and the some of the best barbecue joints in Alabama can't even get close. Yeah, 100 percent. I've got a live event coming up in uh, in Austin first week in November, I guess, second week in November. Uh -oh. And I am looking so much forward to the food on that trip. <laughs> Are you going to go? You're going to go Franklin's? You're going to go Salt Lick? Oh, man, I don't even know. I don't even yeah. know. Yeah. I have, I've yet to do Franklin's cause the line's always crazy for that one. Um, we got the probes in by the way, if you're watching, so the chicken's ready, uh, well, we'll know when the chicken's ready. Franklin's is the hipster legend, right? Salt Lick is so famous. It's in the airport now. Uh, and so you just got to kind of figure out some people have said Salt Lick has fallen off. I don't agree. Depends on how you view franchising out, right? <laughs> right. Well, if you don't live in Texas, then you don't get brisket like that. So even like, you know, B plus Texas brisket is a plus in most States. Right. Yeah. So there's a, uh, a fried chicken place when I was in Charlotte for 20 years and called prices and everybody said it was the best, you know, cash only line out the door, the whole deal. 
But the actual best check-in, and it finally started making the ratings, was the gas station around the corner, at the corner of South and East. And they had a spicy you could get, but it wasn't on the menu. You had to know and you had to ask for it. And it's just like an Exxon station. Best fried chicken oh, wow. you could ever eat. Wow. Okay. Not everybody knows about it because the paper finally put it in the rankings, but... Those are some of the best, uh, the best stops, I mean, especially fried chicken. Like you don't need a, you don't need five star accommodations to yeah. make fried chicken work. So Roderick, um, best-selling author, uh, the brains and the heart behind million dollar flip flops. Tell us what is million dollar flip flops. Do you want the, uh, newspaper version or the, well, how do I get a pair? The I'm real, <laughs> the real version. You know, my buddy, real, give, give me the, give me the newspaper version. And then we'll, we'll probably, we'll probably surround the, the, the real version as we go. So give me the reader's digest. Um, my buddies will make fun of me because I, I don't have expensive flip-flops and I'm like, that's, <laughs> that's why I have the money, man. Like, <laughs> you're not paying attention. Um, long and short lifelong entrepreneur and was fortunate enough to, I've had all the ups and downs, you know, zero didn't grow up with much zero to a million back to zero, back to millions, started multiple different businesses and in multiple industries and year and a half ish, I guess. Now I was able to sell my business in Charlotte and didn't really have to do anything and was, I took six, six ish months off. I was on a beach in Thailand and hmm. that's where I came up with the name. I was reading Mike Kim's book. Uh, you are the brand. I'm kind of like a nonfiction nerd, you know, I'd probably five, yeah. 600 books at this point. So that's my, my pleasure beach reading is <laughs> some random book about branding. Um, and it was look in your immediate vicinity and what around you defines who you are. And that was it. I, I don't wear foot prisons as I call them very often. <laughs> and I, you know, I build hot rods in my spare time and I do. All oh my flip God. Flops. I mean, the whole deal. I've never <laughs> winter. So I think I missed, I think I missed the hot rod part of you. Like we got to talk about that, man. I got a hot rod shop here in Bama. You need to come check out. Oh, amazing. Amazing. Yeah. That, that yeah. could be a whole couple hour conversation on its own. It thing. could be um, the director's cut of this podcast where we just go off about cars, <laughs> but you, yeah, I love it. So, you, you, what I like about you is, so you have done a lot of things and you, you know, you talk about going from zero to a million, a million to zero, and then back up again. Um, what I don't hear you describe yourself as is a serial entrepreneur. And I don't know if you've ever used that phrase before. Um, but I, there are so many people that say I've started a lot of businesses, but if you if you listen and you lean in, you sort of go, did any of them ever turn out to be anything like right. if you, because I, I always, I, it's like the, the phrase serial entrepreneur is always like a, a red flag for me because it's kind of like for most people, if you're bouncing from thing to thing to thing, nothing caught on. Now you, the, you've, you've talked about your history. Clearly you had some big hits and, and um, were fortunate enough and smart enough to sort of get out and, and advantageous times. But what I, you know, what I think, I would love to dive into more with you today is, you know, you talk a lot about building the life that you want, the days that you want, the, the goals that you want, uh, and you do it through entrepreneurship and you're kind of ruthless about that when you talk about how you set up your business. So when you were, was this always a goal for you to use entrepreneurship to build the life that you want, the way you want to run your days, the way you want to run your months and years, or is that like a learned skill? Um, you know, it's the, I'll tell you this, it's the reason I wrote the book and 
it's that thing that, and we'll talk about the waves method and kind of what's in the book and how yeah, right, I right. go about determining what's right for me and why I thought I shouldn't die with that in me and that I should write this book, which ended up being a number one bestseller in seven different That's categories, amazing. which was not what I was expecting. I'm like just some old business book over in the corner, but um, the principles are the same and that from a young age, I've identified what, what do I really want to do? And there's a lot of sacrifice involved in that too, but taking that deep dive into yourself and what you want, not what society wants for you, not what your partner wants for you or your parents or your pastor or whoever, but selfishly, what do you want? And we live, you know, fortunately in an age where it's possible to build that. And there's, you know, I, I tell people I, I could have used all my same skills and went into some other industry and, you know, made $200 million and worked 80 hours a week. And it's just never the way I wanted to operate. You know, I've been to sure. 60 countries on six continents at this point and all for pleasure. And it's because I designed my businesses to support my life and not the other way around. And I think people don't take that hard look when they start a business and then they have, they find themselves 40 years on. And the phrase that stuck with me, Jared, and I was 24 ish, and we can talk about that big dip in my life later, but it was a Tolstoy book and fast forward to the end, spoiler alert. It's uh, it's called the death of Ivan Illich, but Ivan's on his deathbed and he looks up at his wife and he says, what if my whole life was wrong? Oh. And that st stuck with me at a really pivotal time in my life. And it's how I start the book, Million Dollar Flip. So the book's called Million Dollar Flip Flops, Peace, Prosperity, and the Courage to Change Course in Life and Business. And it doesn't just give steps on how to do those things for yourself, but it outlines my journey and the you know businesses that I had that were doing eight figures that I shut down. I didn't even scale and sell because it just, it was going to take so much of my life to get it to where I had gone wrong, right? <clears throat> In the d design of it based on my values and start something new and do it again. So my, my hope is to help people avoid that time and agony and money and <laughs> all the things that yeah. go along with it. Do you ever feel like you have to apologize for this, like if you're, you know, because you, you, you run, I mean, you, you don't wear shoes, you don't, yeah, like these kind of things. This is like how I want to run my life. And that's not normal in business. Do you feel like you have to apologize for that? I would urge you to redefine what normal is. Normal, normal to who? You know, there's, oh. there's, I'm unapologetic and, you know, this is who I am. If I come and speak at your organization, I'm probably going to have a t shirt and flip flops on. It's just, Take it, leave it, you know, I don't care. <laughs> either, either one right. or you don't, you know. But I think that level, the authenticity piece, which is part of the Waves method, you know, it's being your authentic self, you will attract the right people. And you that is your success. It's when you're trying to be someone else that you're really not, that you run into trouble. I want, I want you to say that again, because that was a really good statement that you said at the end. When you're trying to be somebody else's, when you run into a lot of trouble. Yeah. Is that, you know, is, what do you mean by that? Being un, unapologetic about who you are, why you want what you want, what, what the definition of a successful life is for you. You know, they're, not everybody needs to be at IBM with their khakis and a key card. You know, there's a lot of ways to <laughs> earn a living in, in this world. And I think the, the more genuine you are, 
to yourself, which is its own thing, and then to the outside world, you will attract the right people into your life. Yeah. I think it's hard for a lot of people to take the first step in that direction, because I think most of us, myself included, even have found ourselves or either are finding ourselves in a situation where you don't feel like you have control of a big portion of your life. Right. And I, I've, it wasn't that long ago where I certainly felt that, you know, running a business, um, jumping on an airplane, going everywhere we need to go, putting out fires, you know, trying to keep teams together, working with investor partners and everything else. And it gets, um, you get to a place where there's so much expected of you uh, in the way you present yourself or the way you show up or the way you speak about something or the cadence with which you sort of work through a problem that you start wondering like, who, who am I doing this for? Right. And, and am I, am, and, you know, I, I heard you say when you talked about, I think it was when you talked about, you built a construction business, right? You, mm-hmm. you, you built a, you're, you're in the building industry. And so I got a little bit of, a little bit of a background in that industry too. And I can understand how that, the cadence of that industry can be just like early mornings, boom, crank, you know, everything you got to touch, touch base on everything uh, with everybody constantly, or the things get away from you. You said that you felt like you had built yourself a job and not a business. And, um, I see lots of people with that problem, but I don't ever think I see people truly recognize it. And certainly people don't recognize that that can be a pitfall on the way into some entrepreneurial journeys. What, what exactly was the catalyst for you realizing that you had built yourself a job and not a business? I think that business in particular, and let me tell you really quick what the waves method is, because I'm going to reference it okay. a lot in these, in these different topics, but it's, it's your why. So it's your passionate why, why you get up in the morning other than a paycheck. I throw in the curveball. It can't involve money, power, or notoriety when you determine what that thing is to you. Authenticity, which we talked about where you need to come at this from a really genuine place. It can't be for anyone else, but you values we take a deep dive into your values and i'll give you an example when you don't when you're not working with somebody from the outside and whether it's a coach or you know we have mastermind groups we have all these different ways to get outside help the example i will give you is if you are a parent you will put down family as one of your values one of your top values and it may not be it's what you think society what they're going to want to Mm. read me right down. And you don't have to have family as your number one value to be a good dad or be a good mom. Right. So that's the example I like to use. Um, Exploration is the E in waves. And that is taking your why and your values and going out into the world, into the highs and lows of your life and your business and your pursuits and examining those values against those things. So I'm, I'm feeling awesome. Today's great. I'm on fire. I'm not even looking at the clock. What values am I honoring on that list? And then the day's shit, (laughs) you know, why am I doing this? What values am I not honoring on that list? And it's in that exploration that ultimately the S is your statement of purpose. And there's a big difference between your why and your statement of purpose. And what we find is that people, once they've run through the entire system, they will go back and start again with their why with a different lens, with new clarity. And what I will tell you to answer your question, I know that's <laughs> a big yeah, preface to your really good. But in the construction company where I had went wrong, and this all stems from 
when I was 23, 24 years old and I took a job, which I consider a bad word around here. Um, and it almost killed me <laughs> literally, you know, I woke up every day with that sinking is this other is feeling and had anxiety and depression mm. and worse. And what you would find is that it didn't check off any of my values, but I was oh, chasing God. the money. Right. Yeah. And a lot of us fall into that trap because we're not, we're, it's not our fault, but we're taught what people's definition of success is what they see on TV and what their dad taught them and what, you know, and right. I would ask in your business, um, you know, when you got jets and investors and all these things, why, you know, the, the thing that I think throws people for a loop when we talk about the private clients that I work with is 80% or better are trying to get smaller. They're trying to buy their time back. They're trying to wow. make it to their kid's t-ball game. They're trying to be yeah. with their mother before she's dead. You know, it's, it's those things, not 1 million, 10 million, a hundred million, more, more, more for the sake of more. Right. And that would describe succinctly where I went wrong in the construction company. I had falsely thought that I can hire people below me to take the pressure off. And then I, I won't have to get up early in the morning. I won't, you know, they're handling those things and I can eventually grow to where I can have enough people <laughs> to get back to where I should have started in the first place. Right. And, you know, people thought I was crazy when I shut that business down and I didn't because I looked at a five or 10 year time horizon to either make it saleable and my ego was in the way. If I, if I shrunk it, we were doing huge historic projects. I was a commissioner for the city. I mean, the whole deal. And if I go to doing kitchens and baths, what are, what are people going to think of me? You know, it's that ego, yeah. that ego getting in the way. So it was, it was easier for me to just, and that's part of the reason the book is called million dollar flip-flops. The flip-flops represent change, you know, and mm. are you willing to make that 180 knowing we have a finite number of years and I don't want to end up on my deathbed saying, what if my whole life was wrong? Yeah, that's a scary thing. I mean, the, it's so your, your, your situation is so fascinating and I think is a goal that most people you know, hope to get to a place where they can do that. I know, you know, my story with my business and having investors and having to fly everywhere and do everything, you know, the business that we started was, you know, an online proctoring business, meaning we watched people take tests over a webcam. It was really the first company that had ever scaled that before. And we were kind of, that business still is kind of a dent in the universe type of opportunity. There wasn't anybody else that was doing that. We took investors on because that was the only way to really, scale it to reach the, those different parts of the industry that needed it. And, um, but kind of when you sign up for that, you're signing up for a finite mission, right? I mean, there's, when you, when you have investors, investors are going to want to want to return and they're going to move to the next thing. And, uh, and so this is not, you know, you have to be in alignment with what your business is. And so for that business, I knew that I was not going to have some illustrious 40 year career, likely at that business right after starting it. Mm. Um, but once that, once, once that business was sold and my role changed and eventually I retired out of that business earlier this year, you know, it was the first time I've ever got a chance to ask myself, you know, well, what the hell do I want to be doing? Right. I mean, what do, when I'm 80 or 90 and I'm looking back on my forties and my fifty, like, what did I spend my time on and what did people say about me and what was, and it was the first time in my life that I had ever really, really felt like I had total control over what that was. And, um, 
I don't, I can't answer that for everybody on how to get to a place where you can start making those decisions. But I can tell you the weight that came off of my shoulders when I decided, I think I want to do a barbecue business podcast. And I think I want to start some businesses that are um, smaller and not necessarily tech businesses. Right. And, uh, and I want to work with cars and I want to, and man, like that changed so much about who I was and how I saw the world. And I couldn't, I, but I couldn't do that until I had what you're talking about, a waves moment, a kind of a, a, a million dollar flip flops moment where I sort of took back control of where I, where I felt found myself sailing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, part of the reason I wrote the book and I think you and I are probably both in a position where it's, you know, I didn't really have to do anything. Like I really could have just done some woodworking, fiddled around with the hot rods. <laughs> you know, I've got rentals, et cetera. It's just, and just call it a life. But that's rot, <laughs> but that's rot. Right. I mean, like, I, I think that's, that's it. What, that's that's it. what people think that the journey is. If I just work for X amount of time, even people that are not in entrepreneurship, this antiquated notion of I'm going to work until I get the gold watch and then I'm never going to work again. And I'm going to sit on a beach and I'm going to sip, you know, drinks and fast forward your life to where you had all the money you could ever want. You would still have relationship problems. You would still have friends. You would still need to take care of your health. You would still need something to keep you mentally sharp. You know, sitting on the beach and drinking drinks, even if you had all the money in the world, is not possibly going to fill up more than 20% of your life. That's right. Right. It just can't. Right. And so what are you doing with the other 80%? And I think I think we have to get people to understand that you're not just working because you don't you want to work hard enough so that you never have to work again. Maybe you want the safety and things like that. But the idea of like hanging things up and never working again, I think, is a way for a person not to honor themselves and also a way for the world to lose a lot of talent. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, my purpose is that people ask this question at a much younger age. You know, I think you're forced to ask these questions when you're 80, 90. You know, I think when yeah. when you can ask it at 20 and 30 and you know, I tell people I can't, I don't work with people typically that are under seven or eight figure businesses and that they can be a $60,000 business as long as they're profitable. But the reason I put that qualifier in, you know, my ideal client avatar in the coaching practice or for mastermind or any of the things is, you know, somebody who is a successful seven or eight figure entrepreneur, but they're in transition. They, they don't have excitement for what they're doing anymore and they don't know who to turn to. And because that's what I needed at that stage of my life. And that's what I want to provide for other entrepreneurs, because you can't trust your friends and family to have an unbiased opinion. You can't trust your business associates to have an unbiased opinion. Everybody, whether they mean to or not, clouds their opinion through your lens. And, you know, I heard it in what you were saying about, you know, kind of changing the smaller businesses you wanted to do and and doing this podcast, you know. If you tell your investor, $100 million investors that, they think you're nuts because it, it just doesn't <laughs> compute with their lens. They don't know what you're capable of or what you want. And right. ultimately, that's what I want to provide for people is that is that support. They know they're not alone. They know it's not crazy <clears throat> to have a big, successful business and be miserable. And where do I go from here? I want to give them that right next step. You know, so that's why when I didn't have to do anything, I chose to write the book that was the catalyst for all of these other things. Right. You know, and we donate a hundred percent of what we do. 
other than my private coaching, wow. if you buy anything from us, 100% of that profit goes to the foundation to send a student leader abroad, which is its own thing and its own legacy project and its own thing to keep my mind active and working and to inspire yeah. a whole other generation, you know? So I think, I mean, it's such a broad thing, but it's when it comes down to, and I'll get back to why there's the qualifier, when it comes down to the money and what you said about ha being in the position to ask those questions, I don't know a way, and I don't know anyone else that's found a way of teaching someone. And I will use the proverbial 25 year old hustle and grind entrepreneur that money's not the answer. The only way I've found is that you have to earn enough in quotes enough, and then realize that if you have a million and you're miserable, you're going to be miserable at 10 million. It's not about Correct. the dollars. Money, I've said it many times, money makes you more of what you already are. That's it. It's a magnifier. If you're an asshole, you're going to be a bigger asshole. If you're, if you're paranoid, you're going to be mega paranoid. If you're generous, you'll be more generous. You know what I mean? If you're, la if you're lazy, you'll probably be more lazy. So, I mean, I, I totally agree. There is, that's a great way to think about money. Money is, um, there is an inflection point for people where you make enough where the, the, the conversation changes. And that, that inflection point is probably different for every person and probably different at different phases of life, right? But at some point, another 10 grand a year is not going to move the needle like it did five years ago, right? And uh, at some point, another 50 grand a year, another 100 grand a year is not going to move the needle. Um, and people... And it's hard to, you're right, because it's hard to talk to people like that. Cause even saying that out loud, I, I can hear the eyes rolling mm -hmm. from people when you say that. Cause they're like, Oh, let's talk about your Must caviar. Nice, problems, bro. Right? <laughs> yeah. But the truth, but the truth is like at some point when you have the things, uh, that you, uh, that you need, right. And, and that's, that's a whole nother conversation. You kind of got to figure out where that line is. Right. And if you keep moving that line, you never, you never feel satisfied. But once you kind of get to a place where you're like, Hey, I'm good. I've got some things I'm really comfortable with. Then you start realizing number one, nobody is more controlled by money than a broke person. I, I've, I've said that a million times and it's the truth. You know, there, people think the opposite is true. Like that rich people or people that have a, a lot of money, billionaires or whatever, just controlled by money. And that's, it's the opposite. Nobody is controlled more by money by somebody who doesn't have much because it's forcing them to do things with their life, their health, their day, their morning, everything. Right. Um, but you just, we, you, it's so hard to get people to understand, um, the the relationship that success or work and by by product of that being money can have with happiness in your life you don't just just going you know linear up the ladder does not necessarily equal happiness and i i know some people that are substantially wealthier than i am and they're miserable mm -hmm. right they're just miserable people and I don't, I just don't think that we get to the end of our life and point to a scoreboard and go, well, this guy had this many dollars and I had less. And therefore like, it just doesn't work that way. Right. And, and the things in life that matter are not, um, dollar associated. Yeah. If that makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. But 
And once someone figures out how to teach the younger generation that, you know, and, and the system is designed not to teach us that, <laughs> you know, and that's a, yeah, that could be its own it's conversation true. too, you know, but yeah, it is the education system and the, you know, the way just industry and, and capitalism works. It, it is designed to make sure the people at the bottom don't get any bright ideas. <laughs> well, it, <it's, laughs> they, the economy needs workers, right? And yeah. so if you are, that's why most of the most successful people that you hear in stories, like they had, they had a lot of they, the very few valedictorians are like earth shattering entrepreneurs, right? Yeah. Valedictorians make great <laughs> um, chief operating officers. And, you <laughs> exactly. know what I mean? Like, the, you know what I mean? And that's look, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, the world needs that. And you can have a great life following that path. But like, you know, the message to the people that feel like a little bit of a misfit. I know I used to always like, when I was younger in high school and stuff, I would be sort of embarrassed by my ambition. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to tell people that I wanted to start a business or be an entrepreneur or whatever. Cause that, you know, my mom used to say, well, for a lot of people, entrepreneur is a euphemism for unemployed. Right. And, <laughs> right. And, 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 and that's not necessarily not true, but you know, um, you have to, you just have, you have to be comfortable being a little different because the average person is miserable. Right. The average person is overweight and in a ton of debt and works a job they hate and probably needs to go to marriage counseling. And like, there's all these things that, and so if you're trying to be normal, like normal is going to lead you to a place that is um, probably not great. You know, the people that generally have it together, there's elements about their personality and their life that are not normal. And that's why they're getting not normal results. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's check on. Our chicken here. Uh, oh, man. Can you oh, see that, Roger? Oh, tasty. Getting getting a nice golden brown. Skin on is the way to go. Skin on, bone in is the way to go with chicken. Simple. It's clean. You get the crispy skin. If you do it right, nice and dry. So we're not quite there. We're at about 125 on those probes. We're going to let it keep rolling. Now, you said... Um, in some of your warm up there, you talked about being a, let me use a big word here, a voracious reader of nonfiction. Yeah. Um, what's a good one you've read recently? Uh, 5 a.m. Club, Robin Sharma. Um, okay. And Everyday Heroes, his next book that I'm reading now. But, you know, I get up every morning. And I was 5 a.m. Club. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what 5 a.m. Club is because it was, it was, it kind of threw me for a loop. But I, I get up every morning, usually about sunrise, and I don't have, I typically won't take any appointments or a call like this or a podcast, whatever it is, until about 11. And that's, okay. you know, my time to read, meditate, work out, business journal, you know, all the things. Um, so I get to read a lot because it's when the world is most quiet, right? I get that time in for myself. Yeah. But 5 a.m. club, um, Nicole, my, got for me, I don't know, a month, a month or so ago. And it was very synchronistic where two other people had mentioned that book in the same week. She didn't know. And then it just showed up on the kitchen counter one night. And I'm like, mm, okay, well, clearly I'm meant to read this book. So here we go. I put okay. down everything else I was reading. I'm that guy that's usually got 10 books going at once, you know, with notes sure. on everything. And, but um, 5 a.m. Club is, is about, it's written in a story format of this billionaire who is basically imparting his wisdom on these two strangers that he meets at a workshop. And it was a really unique way. It was, it was tough to read the first 
10, 15 pages. Cause you're like, wait, this isn't, I'm not a fiction guy. This is very much a fiction kind of read. But once right. we got into it, it made a lot of sense and it allowed him to give a lot of points in the book and a lot of quotes. And because of this eccentric billionaire saying it, it's not Robin Sharma saying it. <laughs> You know, so I was like, man, maybe for <laughs> maybe for book two, that's what I'm going to do. You know, yeah. Listen, I didn't say it. Crazy character said exactly. It, right? Like it gives you so much artistic license, yeah. right? When it's not coming out of your mouth. So, but uh, it was it was interesting that that book, just in general, because it it really is about that golden hour. You know, he has a lot of principles and methods and and structures to the way he does it. But it's more or less, you know, get up, feed your mind with positive things feed your body with positive things and then start your day, you know? And I think it speaks to what we were just talking about where, you know, those same people that are miserable all the time, probably go home and watch five hours of the news and then they eat a bunch of shit food. <laughs> and then, they, and then they wonder why the news is sponsored by depressants, antidepressants. And it's like, man, you know, garbage in garbage out, you know? So if, they, yeah. if people were a little more cautious about what they let into their mind, they would have a different outlook on things. Have you read um, Discipline is Destiny by Ryan Holiday? No. Okay. So highly recommend. Uh, Ryan Holiday, great. Honestly, probably one of the great thinkers on the internet right now. Um, Studies the the Stoics and some of the great minds of history, but particularly the Stoics, Mm -hmm. right? And um, one of the things that that book talks a lot about is – you know, like Marcus Aurelius and and some of these greats in history um, really focus on the things that they can control. And so I was kind of struck by what you just said about miserable people go home and watch five hours of the news. Like, yeah, I, I, I've, I have relatives who are up in age and are essentially homebound and they do nothing but consume 24 hour news cycles all day, every day. And I just want to put my arm around them and say, what good does this do for you? You cannot change this. You can, you don't leave your house. Right? right. And so who is the speaker of the house or what war is going on in the middle East? Like, yes, you should be informed, but to base your personality on something like that, or to decide what kind of day you're having. And not, it's not just news. I live in Alabama, man. People base their entire summer around uh how they think the football team's going to do this fall (laughs) right and i've seen guys get i mean look the joke in my friend group is every time we see alabama lose like there's a 50 50 shot that we see a murder in the news right and (laughs) and that's not maybe maybe 25 75 but it's not uncommon well once every couple of years like somebody got carried away and the, the old, the tide, you know, the tide didn't pull it out. And so some guy had to pull out a gun over that. And I think you, you can be so much happier. And that's what, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in that book by Ryan Holiday. He's doing, he's doing a whole series of that, but discipline and des- discipline is destiny is my favorite one. And it just really hones in on the fact that like successful people and happy people, and this is like a stoicism mindset you know, are obsessed with the things that they can control. And then the things that they don't control, they just let it go. If I don't control it, like I'm not going to spend a second worrying about something I don't control. And I think that's probably aspirational more than it is like an actual reflection of how they truly are. But what a great way to think about navigating the world. There's an old, uh, 
I used to read a ton of Deepak Chopra and Rumi and you know a lot of that, but the it was I don't remember who the monk was that said it, but it was you know, if there's something in my life I can't control, there's no sense in worrying about it. And if there's something in my life I can control, there's no sense in worrying about it. So why am I worrying about anything? Mm. Yeah, because you can control it. That's wow, that's a great <laughs> yeah. That's a great, you know, I, I've, I've talked to people before where you said you worry. Um, what is it? Somebody, I, somebody, I'm butchering this, but somebody said, worry is feeling pain from a punch that hasn't hit you yet. One of my favorites and I, it's in my book. I quoted it. It's a Mark Twain quote. And it says, I've, I've been through a lot of terrible things in my life. Some of which actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's right. True. I mean, you just, how much, and this is, I'm, I'm like preaching to myself here cause I'm the world's worst about this. Like I've been a worrier my whole life. And, but the more I realize I can control some of those things and let go the things I can't control, man, the happier I am. I think every, I think everybody is right. I don't, um, we could turn this podcast into barbecue Buddha. That's what I'll name mine working title. Yeah. <laughs> barbecue Buddha. So, um, this has been an awesome chat. And, uh, before we get out of that though, I, I really, I like, I would like for, um, I'd like for it to kind of have some advice coming from you to people that are listening. Cause I think this is, I've already got like a bunch of friends in my head that I'm going to say like, you better check this episode out because there are a bunch of people that I think could benefit from the waves method and, uh, thinking about things from kind of a million dollar flip-flop mindset. But if you, if you were talking to somebody that found themselves at a point in their life where they're like, I am not in control. I don't like my life. I don't like what I'm doing. What is the, what is the first step they should take towards changing that? Other than buy the book? Other than, well, <laughs> they've bought the book and they've, they've read about the waves method. And I've, I do, you should go buy the book. It's great. But um, what, what is the first like action step they should take after they've done a little bit of self-reflection? It it sounds counterintuitive, but it's it's finding a group of people who are where you want to be. You know, I I always say, you know, don't take advice, don't take relationship advice from the single person, your single friend. No, you know, don't take money advice from your poor buddy at the bar. Like, you know, you have to take advice from people who are where you want to be in any area of life. It doesn't matter what it is. And I think finding, you know, I've got a very specific niche of people that I work with. You know, it's that seven, eight figure entrepreneur wakes up every day. There has to be more than this. I don't know where to go. You know, that's a very specific person. And what we offer is not just the waves method and some of the one-on-one support, et cetera, but it's, it's the community and it's the mastermind group. And there's, you know, kind of an ascension model to that, but, and what that looks like, but it's, I think we go wrong asking Certainly when you're doing deep dive work on yourself and I've got a tool called waves 360. It's, uh, it's free. It's just one of the resources on the website, but it's, it's basically a way to vet your friends and family without them knowing. And so that you know who in your group is actually serving your best interest. Whoa. Okay. Like, give me a little nugget on that. Like what is, what is one of the things that you do to find that out? Well, you know, in the most simple, this most simple form, it's, you're asking the 15 people that you would go to for advice. And it's very rare that friends or family give you good advice for a variety of reasons that may or may not be in their control. 
you know, so, but it's, you take this form and you either email it, you first ask them, say it's via email, you know, Hey, I'm doing some work. I'm reading this book. I need, I need to send this form out to 15 people. Can you help me out? That's the first layer, man. Like there's going to be people who will not take four minutes out of their day to help you out and do some personal development work. Goodbye. Like those are not people that are in your corner, you know? Great, great so, point. and it goes on from there, but, um, and if you go to the website, it's million dollar flipflops.com is the website, but there's, you know, it's in the resources tab there. You can go grab it, but you know, things like that, where it's just surround, it's not, it's the people equivalent of not watching the news. You know, if you surround yourself with negative, low energy, low possibility people, you're going to have a negative, low energy, low possibility life. Yeah. You are the, what is it that you are the sum of the people that you spend your most time with is just like, I'm, but again, I'm butchering that, but it's, it's, you're, you are who you surround yourself with. Yeah. And and if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. That's it. I, I write that in the book. I've, you know, I've, I've consistently been the dumbest guy in the room for a reason, you know? Yeah. I mean, if people have asked me like, well, how did you, how did you do like one of the, one of my superpowers is just surrounding myself with smart people and, and, you know, paving a situation where they can be awesome and then shutting up and let them be awesome. Right. And I, I, you know, it's not, um, but again, it's not common, right? It's not common to do these types of things. It's not, you know, you tell this to uh, a kid that's just out of college and they're kind of like, huh? Mm-hmm. you know, because the whole, the whole thing they've been taught from high school and through college and everything is how to like, be the sturdiest cog in the wheel, not how to build another wheel. There right? you go. Nailed it. I love it that just, analogy. I love that analogy. It just doesn't, uh, it doesn't like, if that's what you want out of life, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You can build a great, happy life. Uh, if you, if you, if that's the way you want to, uh, do it. But I bet if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance that that's not what you want out of life. <laughs> right. And those are my people. And those are the ones that we're always talking to, you know, that that person is, is fine. Just don't complain about the way I live my life that, you know, it was one of, we just found out Hormozy. Um, I'm sure you follow Alex Hormozy, but he's doing, oh, yeah. he's doing our keynote in two weeks. So I get to oh. be in a room with the guy for an hour, which is mind blowing in and of itself. But he put up a post yesterday or might've been this morning, even that was, you know, if your friends say, Oh, that must be nice about your success. They're not your friends. And man, have I heard that in my life, you know, because I've been able to travel and I've, I've prioritized freedom, you know, freedom and autonomy are my top two values, freedom, autonomy, community, top three, you know, I want to be able to see the world. I've always wanted to be able to see the world that's in the foundation. That's what I want for these 12 and 13 year olds, you know, that are maybe less fortunate for them to see the world, because I think there's things you can only learn when you leave certainly your neighborhood, your state, but this country. Oh yeah. And it gives you a perspective you can't get another way. And all the time, you know, oh, well, it must be, must be nice to travel. Like, yeah, it is. It was nice to spend 20 years identifying what I want out of my life, risking everything multiple times and building a scenario where I'm able to travel. Yes, that is nice. Thank you for noticing. (laughs) You know, but I also find that a lot of people that say that, like, you turn around and you find out that they're spending their money on something else. Right. I mean, you will find, you will spend money on the things that are important to you. Right. So I used to have people that said that to me and these were, this was work travel, by the way, like it wasn't, I had, I had a group of friends that would always say that. And then I would, 
find out how much money they spent driving to the lake that was 45 minutes away a year and camping out there. And I'm like, man, you could have went to I mean, all over the place, right? That's it. So I'm getting, I got to tell you, I'm getting highly nervous about this chicken because <laughs> it, it is, I'm very nervous to open this. Okay. No, no, we're good. But like, it's, it was really getting smoky and I'm watching and we're not quite to temperature yet, but I was catching, you know, the nostrils were catching some, some, some char smell and you just never know how far. Sure. looks amazing from where gods are taking it. <laughs> it's pretty good though, man. Look at that. I'll break that little piece off right there. So. So, Roger, you said you had an event coming up. What tell tell us what that? Yeah, event is. I'm um in Austin, Texas, and I don't know if there's any seats left. It was only a 30, 30 seat ticket, um, and they may all be gone. But it's oh wow, it's books and business. It's November 9th and tenth, and it's um, Amber Villauer. She's the CEO of NGNG and Jay Wong, who's podcast your brand, and a bunch of New York Times and Wall Street bestsellers, and it's. Um, if there are any seats left, I would recommend it for people. It is, it's not one of these sit down, watch other people flap their gums about why they're great. You know, it's much more collaborative. It is much more, you know, for instance, we're putting a board up at the front of the room. I'm MC in the event. So I've been able to have a little bit of input on what it is. And I'm doing a workshop. I'm doing waves okay. method workshop, but, um, putting a board at the front of the room with post-it notes. What do I need? You write it down and everybody in that room can come up. Oh, you need podcast guests? You know, yeah, I'll be on your show. You know, so whatever the thing is, but it's just much more collaborative. And so I'm excited about that. And then we've got some other stuff coming up um, for the foundation in the spring. We start sending our first kids next year. So, yeah, that's excellent. Well, congrats on that. I mean, what a what a cool way to sort of architect your life. You've got a, a passion project where you're sending people out to get those life lessons and you've got business uh, entrepreneurship, things that are funding that. And, and I think that's great. I mean, that's, that's one of the ways that I, I I've always believed is that entrepreneurship should fuel the things that you care about. And, and clearly you're doing that. Roger, you've been a fantastic guest. Uh, if people wanted to connect with you or, or plug into the million dollar flip-flops, uh, world, how uh, they super easy at million dollar flip flops on every channel and million dollar flip flops.com. I believe I watched you, uh, on YouTube, take a long 15 minute walk. Uh, and I don't know where the heck you were, <laughs> but that's how, that's how I learned about who you were. It was this, like, so you got a, a great YouTube channel. There's all sorts of cool stuff on there. Um, check it out. And we are just about to temperature on the chicken. So I'm about to take that off and see if I can't, uh, you probably won't hear from me for about 40 minutes. I <laughs> get into some of this chicken. Thanks brother. This has been a lot of fun guys. If you enjoyed that and I'm sure you did, uh, would you please go and like this episode? Uh, give us a high rating five stars, wherever you're watching it, uh, and share it with a friend. If you found something in there that was valuable to you, please share it with a friend that you think could, um, this could resonate with as well. Go check out Roderick and the million dollar flip flop network, and we'll see you next time on the slow smoke business show.